Well, good morning, church family that I love. It's great to see you on this Sunday morning. Thank you for worshiping the Lord through song, and now let's worship through the Word, shall we? If you haven't done so already, I want to invite you to take your listening outline from your worship guide, get a pen in hand, and open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The book of Acts, chapter 2. You can also pull out your phone, touch the Ingleside app and the notes button. You'll be able to get to the notes in that same place. And as we're preparing to hear the word here in the worship center, let me offer a warm welcome to everyone in our contemporary service, as well as those of you who are joining us on the live stream and on TV. I'm really glad you're part of this service as well. Now, this morning I'm beginning a new series of messages that's going to take us all the way up to Easter. And I hope that you'll plan to be a part of every one of them. And on your outline, uh, you'll see what the title of the series is. It's called Witness, Speaking the Gospel, Making Disciples, and Planting Churches, All for the Glory of God. And today's message, as you're going to see from Acts chapter 2, is called The First Witness. The First Witness, and it lays the foundation for all the rest of the series. Now, if you've been reading with me through the book of Acts this last week, you know already probably what the theme verse of the series and what the theme verse of the book of Acts is. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's on your outline. I think they're going to put it on the screen, and I'd love for you to read it aloud with me. Everybody here in the worship center, everybody in the contemporary service, let's read it aloud together. It begins, but you will receive power. Are you ready? Let's read this verse together. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Those are the words of Jesus that he gave to us just before his ascension to the Father. Now, if you have a pen in hand, I want you to circle one word in that verse. Would you do that? Would you circle the word witnesses? Witnesses. It's the key word in that theme verse, and it's the key word that helps us understand all the book of Acts and really ties together all this series of messages. Now, I want you to see where we're headed over the coming weeks. Today's message is called The First Witness, but do you see on your outline next week, it'll be about a courageous witness. The following week, a spirit-led witness. The following week, a reluctant witness. The following week, a barrier-breaking witness. The following week, a church-oriented witness. And finally, a cross-centered witness on Palm Sunday, April the 2nd. And so, between now and Easter, I hope you'll plan to be here and get in on every message. They'll tie together. One will build on the other. And if you have to be out of town or if you're sick on a Sunday or you're not able to be here, I hope you'll go online. Watch on our website the message that you missed so that the next week you'll be ready to step right up again and be part of what the Lord's going to do among us. Now, 
I'll tell you what I'm praying, church family, that is going to occur over these coming seven weeks between now and Easter. This message series has two goals, and I've actually put them on the outline. I want you to see where we're headed, what I'm praying for, what I hope will happen. So look at it. Here's the first goal. The first goal is that every follower of Christ at Ingleside. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, I am praying something for you and me, that every follower of Christ at Ingleside will become a better equipped and more active verbal witness for Jesus. So here's what I'm really expecting is going to occur over these coming seven weeks. And I have to be honest, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see all that the Lord is going to do among us. I am absolutely convinced that as we study the scripture together in the book of Acts, and as the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts, here's what's going to happen. Some of us who are Christ followers, who have never yet been a verbal witness, are actually going to have the very first conversations we have ever had with another person about Jesus with the hope and with the prayer that they will become a follower of Jesus too. And that conversation is going to open the door to a new adventure, a new chapter in your faith journey as you become an active witness for Christ. I don't have any doubt that's going to occur for some of us over the coming seven weeks. The other thing that I'm convinced will occur is that some of us who followed Christ for some time and perhaps were more engaged, more focused witnesses in days gone by, Guess what's going to happen over the coming few weeks? I just think the Lord through his Holy Spirit is going to use his word to turn up the heat in our hearts and we're going to become more active in sharing the good news of Christ. And I think that's going to bring great joy and blessing to our lives and to those with whom we share. You know, the image that came to my mind as I was thinking about that this week, have y'all been following that story in the news about them wanting to ban our stoves with gas? Have have y'all been following that? I don't know how you feel about it. It seems a little ridiculous to me, but nonetheless... Nonetheless, if you've ever cooked on a gas stove, you know you can turn up the heat quickly. I mean, you can just turn up the gas and all of a sudden the water will soon be boiling. Well, guess what's going to happen over the coming few weeks? We're going to be cooking with gas. And the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in our hearts. And I just have confidence that as the Holy Spirit works in us, the gospel is going to come out of us and God's going to use us in the lives of others and for his glory. So that's the first goal. And then here's the second goal. And that is that every Inglesider will invite someone who is not yet a follower of Jesus to our Easter weekend outreach on April 8th and 9th. Now, as we've done in the last few years, we'll have a Saturday night service at six. We'll have four services on Sunday morning. And I'm hoping between now and then, if you call Ingleside home, that you'll invite at least one person, perhaps a person who doesn't yet know and follow Jesus to be a part of Easter weekend at Ingleside. If you do, 
I'll, I'll promise you what they'll experience. They'll experience a warm welcome. They'll experience great hospitality. They'll experience great worship. They'll sense the presence of the Lord. And they'll hear the gospel presented in a way that will connect to their hearts and will invite them to trust and follow Jesus. So between now and then, just expect Sunday by Sunday, I'm going to ask, how many of you have had a witnessing conversation this last week? And you can raise your hand. And I'll ask how many of you have uh, had the opportunity to invite somebody to Easter? And you'll be able to raise your hand. It'll just be a point of accountability as we're walking through the next seven weeks. If you're on the same page with me and you've heard where we're headed over the next seven weeks, would you raise your hand right now? Can I say, yeah, okay. We're all together, so here we go. Look at page two of your outline then, and let's look at the first witness. We're going to learn some lessons from Acts chapter two, and then I want to give you a tool or two before we're done. Here's what the Bible says. Look at it. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, about 120 believers in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire, not actual fire, but looked like fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus had made when he said, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was the result? And they began to speak, to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, don't miss this. Whenever the Holy Spirit fills us, words about Jesus will come out of our mouths. In this instance, they were speaking languages miraculously that they didn't know. So look at it, verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? So in other words, most of the first followers of Jesus were not from Jerusalem. They were from up in Galilee, near the Sea of Galilee. And they said, and how is it then that we each of us hear in his own native language? And then it gives a bunch of these nations from around the known world, some from the Roman world, some from the Parthian Empire, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So in other words, all these people from around the world were in Jerusalem and all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel in their own native language. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others seeing the same thing, hearing the sound, seeing the tongues of fire, hearing the languages, others mocked them and said, they're filled with new wine. What's that, what's that another way of saying? What, what did some people say? They're all drunk. Man, they're drunk. Oh, I mean, look at that. So what are we supposed to learn? Write it in. Uh, number one, this first witness 
occurred 50 days. That's what the word Pentecost means. 50 days, seven weeks after the weekend of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected on Passover weekend. That was the first great festival. And then seven weeks later was Pentecost. It was a harvest festival. Passover occurred in March and April. Pentecost always occurred in May or June, seven weeks later. And it was during that festival that the Holy Spirit came in power upon these first followers of Christ. That's the second truth. Write it in that the first witness was empowered by the Holy Spirit and God will empower your witness and my witness by the Holy Spirit too. You know, uh, as we talk about this topic uh, and as we head into these next seven weeks, I'm really not expecting that on our own, in our own strength, you and I are gonna become wiser, more eloquent, more persuasive, I'm just not expecting that. But guess what I am expecting? I am expecting over the coming seven weeks that more and more of us are going to be surrendered to, filled with the power of God's Spirit, and as a result of God's Spirit in us, words about Jesus are going to come out of our mouth. And boy, when that happens... God is going to use those words that go far beyond what we're capable of on our own. Here's the third thing we need to learn from those first two paragraphs. Write it in. That is, this first witness miraculously enabled people from many nations, people from many nations to hear the gospel in their own native language. Now, I'm not going to rehearse all of them again, but I think we've got a map. Throw that up on the screen for just a second, if you would. You can see some of the nations in the dark black print printed around the Mediterranean world that were present in Jerusalem on that day. The ones on the left side were in the Roman Empire. The ones on the right side in the Parthian Empire. And so nations from around the world were in Jerusalem and heard the gospel in their own language that day. Okay, you can take the map away. Now look back up here. So what's going on here? Right at the beginning of the book of Acts, we're seeing a foreshadowing of what God intends for the gospel to do. From beginning, from where we are, he intends for the gospel to go to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group, and from every people group, he will call his people through the gospel as we're witnesses. You know, as a part of this service already this morning, You've seen part of that emphasis at Ingleside. Pastor Justin and Jimmy Clance are in Kuala Lumpur today, teaching pastors and in churches there, going with the gospel to Southeast Asia on the other side of the globe. We've got another team this morning down in Puerto Rico. They're doing disaster relief work, but as they're doing that work, guess what they're doing? They're looking for opportunities to speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So watch this, our witness always begins where we are. So over the coming seven weeks, you should expect, I should expect our opportunities for witness to be in our own families, 
or at work or at school or in our normal patterns or with a friend we've known for years. It may reach beyond that to somebody we meet for the first time and it may reach beyond that on a mission trip or around the world, but it always begins where we are. So be looking, be praying, be thinking about who in your immediate circle it is that God would have you to be a witness to. Well, what happens next? Look in verse 14. It says, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Now, y'all stop right there for just a moment. Every time I read Peter's explanation, it sort of makes me smile. Because it's almost like he's saying, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Give them a little time, you know. Just give them a little time. They'll get there. But no, they're not. Only nine o'clock in the morning. He was saying, yeah, I know that, that, that this noise, the wind, the fire, and all the different languages being spoken at one time might sound like a drunken party, but it's really not. They're not filled with an intoxicant. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then guess what he does? He interprets what is going on through the lens of Scripture. Let me say that again because that's a good principle for us. We should always interpret what is going on in our lives through the lens of Scripture. Always. And what does he say? He quotes from the book of Joel. Look at it. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And all men dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. They'll be a witness. So in other words, he's saying... Uh, listen, what you're seeing now and what God intends for us today is young and old, men and women, everybody's a witness. Then verses 19 through 21 go to the end of the age. He said, and I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass, Joel's prophecy says, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So write in the big truth for us. Here it is. This is teaching us that in the first witness and now, the first witness included all of God's people, all of the 120, young and old, male and female, men and women, and God intends for us all to be witnesses now. In fact, you will have opportunity to speak words about Jesus to someone you love that none of the rest of us will have opportunity to, but you'll have a chance to. You'll have opportunity to speak to someone at school or at, uh, or at work. You know, just after the 940 service today, one of our uh, members came up to me and shared just a beautiful story. He said, you know, Tim, you were talking about... Uh, 
Is it ever too old to share the gospel? And by the way, what is the answer to that? Is it, are you ever too old to be a witness? What is the answer to that? No. As long as you have breath, as long as you can speak, you can be a witness for Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, if you're old enough to know that you're a sinner and Jesus died for your sins and you've repented and believed and trusted in him, if you're a Christ follower, are you ever too young to be a witness for Christ? The answer is no. Well, this friend came up to me between the services. It was a beautiful story. I just have to recount some of it. He said, I was just reminded. He said, my family moved to a new city. I went to a new school. And in the second grade, I had a seven-year-old friend. And that seven-year-old friend invited me to go to church. My parents didn't go to church. None of my family did. He said, but at his invitation, his talking to me about Jesus, as a second grader, I went to church. And he said, and then I came to faith in Christ. And then as I grew in Christ, I witnessed to my parents. And he, got, he said, I got to see both of them come to faith in Christ. And over the years, many others in my family. And it all began with a second grader who was a witness for the Lord. Listen, I'm speaking to some of you who are children, who are middle schoolers, who are high school students, who are college students. And I'm saying, now's the time. Now's the time in your spiritual journey to say, okay, I'm gonna open my mouth in a winsome way, but in a direct way to talk to others about Jesus. You know, I was uh, thinking about when that occurred for me, and it occurred in high school, um, long before I was a pastor, long before I was in vocational ministry. As a high school student, God began to just deepen my faith and my trust in him. I'd become a believer when I was 11. And, and as a high school student, I just began to talk to my friends about what it would mean for them to follow Jesus. Some of you high school students need to do the same thing. As I was thinking about that this week, I went to my shelf and I pulled off of it a little Bible. I don't know if you can see it, but um, it's well-worn now and it sort of has a crook in it and sort of folded and it has my name engraved on the front. And I remember this was one of my first witnessing Bibles and I carried it in my pocket um, as a high school student and just graduating. One of my brothers gave it to me when I graduated in 1976. And it just reminded me, some of you high school students, some of you college students, some of you middle school students, during this series, God's gonna equip you and call you and stir you and motivate you to begin to be a witness and it's going to be the most fun adventure you've ever been on in your life as God uses you to help some people you know come to faith in Christ. Well, we need to run to the end today, so look at it with me. Let's see what uh, Peter says. Verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus 
delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up though, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then Peter quotes Psalm 16. He said, for David said concerning Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me for he's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You'll make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter goes on to say, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David who wrote that Psalm, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So in other words, Peter's explaining, the Psalm is not about David. The Psalm is about David's son, Jesus the Christ. Look at verse 32. This Jesus God raised up and of all that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens. In other words, David's body is still in the tomb, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's a quote from Psalm 110. And then Peter wraps up his message by saying, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, there's a lot here, but I just want you to see the main things that Peter emphasized in this first witness. It'll, it, it gives us a, a model, a pattern, a paradigm about our own witness. Look at it. This first witness emphasized the crucifixion, Jesus' death for sins on the cross. It emphasized the resurrection, Jesus was raised bodily from the grave. It emphasized the exaltation or ascension and exaltation of Jesus to God's right hand where he is now. It emphasized the trustworthiness of scripture. It rooted the witness in scripture and write it in, last of all, it emphasized God's sovereignty, God's sovereignty in salvation. In other words, it emphasizes that everything that was happening happened according to the predetermined plan of God according to his will. So now watch this. This ought to give us confidence over the coming few weeks as the Holy Spirit empowers us to open our mouths more regularly about Jesus to those that we love that we can have confidence in God's sovereignty in the process. We can have confidence that he's the one who's bringing that person or those people into our circle in order for us to have that conversation. It also reminds us that it will be because of God's sovereign grace that that person comes to faith, not our own ingenuity or wisdom or persuasiveness. Well, how did it finish up? Let's finish up, and I want to give you a tool today. Here we are, verse 37. Look at it. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
He said, listen, this is God's promise for you, for your children, for all who are for all, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What that means is this coming few weeks, you share the gospel, I share the gospel with anyone and everyone and trust that God himself is the one who will do the calling. Verse 40 says, and with many other words, he bore witness, continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And what happened? So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here's, here's the last two lessons, write them in. This first witness called for a response and our witness should call for a response too. When we talk with someone about Jesus and they say, well, how should I respond? We should say, well, you should repent. You should turn from sins. You should trust in Christ and you should be baptized. The response is, write it in, repent and be baptized in the name of Christ. Repentance, faith, baptism, they go together in the New Testament. And what do we promise when we share the gospel? The same thing this first witness promised, write it in, this first witness promised forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we can say with confidence to any person with whom we share, listen, Whenever you turn from sin and put your trust in Christ and really begin to follow him, the Bible says your slate is wiped clean, your sins are forgiven, you're no longer guilty before God, and you can have eternal life. And more than that, his spirit comes to live within you, and his spirit will empower you day by day. So, in this first witness, we have a beautiful paradigm. Now, as I hope to do every week, I want to point you to a resource, and I want to give you a memory verse. So here's the resource. I think they're going to put it on the screen. If you've got a smartphone, I want you to go to the App Store, and I want you to download this featured resource. It's called the Life on Mission app. And you will know you're getting the right one if it pops up with these three circles. This is sometimes called the three circles method of sharing the gospel. Now, even if you don't do it right now, sometime this week, may I encourage every Inglesider to download this app, have it on your smartphone, and bring your smartphone with you to church next week. Bring it next week. We're going to use this app in church next Sunday. I hope you'll download it, the Life on Mission app with the three circles method. Now, it's not going to surprise me at all if this week some of us are not going to have the opportunity to talk with somebody about Jesus and you may say, wow, well, when that comes, I'm not sure I'm prepared. Well, I, I just want to make a suggestion. I think you are prepared if you know one Bible verse because however the conversation goes, you might ask, well, have you ever really considered what the Bible says about how much God loves us? And you know, uh, very rarely is someone going to respond negatively to a question about the love of God. And so, if your question is, have you ever really considered what the Bible says about how much God loves us? And then you say, well, may I, may I tell you? The Bible says, God so loved 
the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's John 3:16. It means God loves you. And that if you're willing to believe in Jesus, it means not just believe that he exists, but if you're willing to trust him and follow him and confess him as Lord, then you don't perish, you don't go to hell, but you have eternal life. You're with God in heaven forever, eternal life, the best life imaginable. You see, if you know only one verse this week, John 3, 16, you're ready to have that conversation. Now, the last ask before we wrap up today, are you ready? If you have an opportunity to share the gospel this week and you have time, I'd love for you to just uh, pull out your phone or sit down at the computer and send me an email and tell me about it. It's tmccoy at ingleside.org, tmccoy at ingleside.org. And just shoot me an email and tell me how it went. Tell me who you talked to. Tell me uh, what you shared. Tell me how they responded. Did it raise a question for you? Do you need another resource? Can I point you to something that might help in the next conversation? I'd love to hear. And over the course of these seven weeks, I just expect more and more and more of us are gonna have opportunity as we're filled with God's spirit to speak the name of Jesus to those who need to follow him. Will you make this journey with me? I hope you will. And I'm anticipating that God's gonna bless it richly. Let's uh, pray, then we'll sing our concluding song. Father, thanks so much for um, including us in your family through faith in Christ. And I want to pray, oh Lord, that there would just be a fresh wind of your spirit that blows through us and among us. I want to pray that there would be a new wave of witnessing, a veritable tsunami of witnessing that occurs through the life of Inglesiders as we speak the gospel of Christ. And Lord, I want to pray that that don't mean some of our friends and family and coworkers, people in our community will come to faith. I pray, oh Lord, too, that some will be invited to come at Easter and will hear the gospel and respond. Lord, I pray you would do the work necessary in our hearts over these coming seven weeks to make us witnesses for your glory. We love you, and we offer this prayer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.